Look at me. The last chilly winter I lived through over a period of months was over a decade ago. That's a long time between down jackets, duvets and beanies. In between times I worked and vacationed in some icy places. Seoul, Shanghai and Harbin. The coldest place I ever stepped foot into was Seoul. I still remember how long it took me to thaw out one evening when I walked home from the office, which was around 20 minutes at minus 20 degrees. Strangely, although I've never possessed the chassis for cold climates, most of my annual holidays were spent skiing in the Victorian snowfields, around three hours drive northeast of Melbourne. I was a proficient skier on and off piste. My band of brothers and sisters at the time, the motley crew I used to run with, even camped in the snow overnight on many occasions, so we could wake up and revel in heap-deep powder snow. To the point I'm not necessarily built for cold conditions, one afternoon whilst cross-country skiing, my buddy, Craig, yes, another one, noticed I was displaying early-onset hypothermic behaviour, meaning my speech was evidently slurred and I was increasingly becoming unusually confused and clumsy. Hypothermia is a medical emergency when your body loses heat faster than it can produce it, when your body temperature falls below 35 degrees. Whilst skiing at Falls Creek, a more elevated resort mountain, I met and became friends with an Austrian ski instructor, Alex. When he was not working, teaching private lessons, we'd ski together, usually in the afternoons. From my brush with hypothermia, I learned to always ski with a buddy close by. As we'd contemplate our favourite run, wishing well, he'd always go first, parting with these immortal words, look at me. Although I was a reasonably adept, I'd perpetually learned from Alex, observing and am trying to emulate his every move. Alex, I reckon, may have had 15 years on me. He could sure fang it, as we used to say, meaning full throttle. Being an accomplished instructor, Alex once told me, which I've never forgotten, parents should never teach their children to ski. Why? I asked with some shock. Parents lovingly, unknowingly pass their accumulated bad habits onto their kids, no matter their age. Alex went on to say, that's the reason I'll always be in a job and rich, because parents pay me to unlearn handed down habits. Then, once I've worked them out, I teach them new ones. Habits, as we all know, are really hard to break, and it's even harder to create new, more productive ones. Some passionate new ones don't even make it past sundown on New Year's Day. Every day we are inundated with craving and consuming stimuli, which hijacks reward-based learning systems in our brains designed initially for survival. Of course, we do more the things that feel good and less the things that feel bad or stressful. Ever tried to encourage children, some adults and pet dogs to take their medicine? Often not an easy thing to do. Medicines are not meant to taste good. Active ingredients by their nature are invariably bitter, unbearably salty. Even the, even the smell puts you off. It's always a fine line for chemists. Too much or not enough flavouring may adversely affect the efficacy. Too sweet, people may consume too much, which is equally not a good thing. Not to mention the possible contribution of ADHD hyperactive behaviour. Back to habits. Reward-based learning has three components, trigger, say the feeling of hunger, behaviour, 
eating a snack, and reward, feeling satisfied. Research indicates every time we soothe ourselves from a taxing assignment, we reinforce the reward to the point where unhealthy distractions can become hard to shake habits. Which brings us to self-control. In my view, reward-based learning is based on rewards, not behaviours. How rewarding a behaviour is drives how likely we are to repeat that behaviour in the future. And this is why self-control as an approach as an approach to breaking habits often fails. Let's talk some more about habits. A definition. Being an automatic and rigid pattern of behaviour in specific situations, which is usually acquired through repetition and develops through associative learning, that is system one, which we've talked about previously. When actions become paired repeatedly with a context or an event, Habit loops involve a cue that triggers an action, the actual behaviour, and a reward. For example, a habitual drinker may hover around the kitchen at around 6pm, again the cue or trigger. Drink a beer, the behaviour, and feel relaxed, the reward. Behaviours may initially serve to attain a particular goal, but once the action is automatic and habitual, the goal loses its importance. For example, popcorn may habitually be eaten in the cinema, despite the fact that it is stale. Habits can also be associated with status quo bias. What's status quo bias? Status quo bias is evident when people prefer things to stay the same by doing nothing, that is inertia, or by sticking with a decision made previously. While status quo bias is frequently considered to be irrational, sticking to choices that worked in the past is often a safe and less difficult decision due to informational and cognitive limitations. For example, status quo bias is more likely when there is choice overload or high uncertainty and deliberation costs. Sound familiar? Behaviours in our new normal. Here's what Eunice, an intern at Tribal, said in response to a question I posed about her favourite subject or topic at school. She said, my favourite subject is psychology, and my favourite topic is understanding human behaviour. This is very interesting to me because I love trying to get into the minds of others, learning what makes them tick, understanding why they behave in certain ways, and applying how to interact with them better. I have one word for Eunice, elegantly put. Sorry, that's two words. Here's some thoughts to boost your productivity, lift your morale, and up your performance levels to overcome habits of a lifetime, habits that may be holding you back from thriving. Map your habit loops, as discussed earlier. Like to change a habit? Figure out your triggers. If, for example, it relates to procrastination or stress, think about the circumstances, the context. Then identify the behaviours you engage in. Do you continuously check Viva instead of working on the project before you? You need to be able to name the action you turn to for comfort or peace of mind because, you're because you evaluate or indeed re-evaluate their reward values. Linking actions and outcome. How do you feel when you partake in your habit? What do you get in return for searching for cute pictures of dogs? How rewarding is it for you in the moment, especially when it dawns on you that isn't really happening, you'll finish your brief to creative, which is due today before lunch. Grab a blank sheet of paper and write down your response to these questions. 
The research says your new awareness will help you more accurately update the reward value of the habit you want to break. You'll get the idea X behaviour leads to Y consequence. The consequence is likely to be holding you back from reaching your fullest potential. Replace reward with curiosity. If you've been reading my think pieces, you'll get a pattern is emerging. You could say I'm on a mission. Again, referencing my discussion surrounding the issue of boredom with the tribal interns, we talked of levels of effort around being fed information or finding information, an interesting distinction. The final step to creating sustainable, positive habit change, find a new reward. That is more rewarding than the existing behaviour. The reward value of curiosity is tangibly different than, say, procrastination. My encouragement? Get into the habit of saying, hmm, that's interesting. If anyone would like more on this, do contact me. I'm all ears. Next Wednesday's TBS On webinar is entitled My Friend the Chocolate Cake. I'll be talking about recipes for success surrounding motivation, uh, disinformation, observation, beliefs, longer-term business planning, and some closing thoughts on future possible scenarios. Over coming weeks, look out for thought pieces around Gen Z, pandemic lessons from China, resilience, habit, brand growth, brainstorming online, and always-on personalities, anxieties and containment, consequences, grief and meaning, decisiveness, and creativity in COVID. Talk soon. Have a great day.